Welcome to another episode of Books That Make Us Better. My name is Kayla Joe. My name's Megan. I'm Lydia. And I'm Jesse. And if you're ready to hear about Matthew McConaughey manhandling an alligator, you've come to the right place. <laughs> we've waited this whole time. We've made it. Naked and also naked Matthew McConaughey. We're here. Lane Bongos, the infamous naked bongos. I had not heard about this. What? Me neither. Until I read it. I am not really proud of the amount of pop culture garbage that lives in my brain. <laughs> like, rent free. The stuff I can pull out is ridiculous. So. I mean, unfortunately, sometimes useless it. knowledge is helpful. Yes, it can be. But when it blocks out things that you should probably remember. <laughs> hey, you useless knowledge, get out of there. I need yeah. some space. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> well, this time came in handy, and I'm sad that none of us have the naked bongo shirt. I know. That would have been a cool, cool ass band shirt yeah. uh, style. You know, like like the band shirts that we talked about before, the Incubus band shirts, and how yes. they were really worn. That would have been a cool one if it just that like, been a great bother. one. Perhaps <laughs> instead of talking about the pieces. <laughs> Sorry. We believe the power to change lives is within ourselves. We believe with the right attitude, anything can be accomplished. We believe the amount of knowledge and insight available is limitless. But we don't think life should be taken too seriously. Books that make us better. An alpha media podcast. All right. Yeah. So the naked bongos, that's me. I get to talk about that. So uh, Matthew's on the road for three years with his dog, Miss Hud, and he decides He's kind of done with that life and he wants to have more of a suburban experience. So he rents a house in this place called Terrytown in Texas. And he talks about it being um, a really peaceful neighborhood where, you know, dogs run off the leash. Kids play in the street. It's just great. Everybody, um, they're all great neighbors and they give him his space. And um, I mean, they all know who he is, but they don't um, like really impede on his life and he doesn't impede on theirs. So... Um, the Texas Longhorns play the Nebraska Cornhuskers in 1999, and um, they beat the the Cornhuskers. Or is it just it's the Cornhuskers, isn't yes, it? Not just beat Huskers. the Huskers. I mean, yeah, Cornhuskers. I remember, yes. Okay, going back. <laughs> That's such an Iowa thing of you to say. And so they beat the Huskers, and it's like the Huskers' first loss of that year. So it's a huge party in in. Um, in Texas, he parties like uh, Sunday into Sunday night into Monday morning. And then at that point, he decides that he's going to wind down. So he wants to um, get naked, obviously, and play bongos. Because what else do you do? Um, and yeah. And then at s some point, police um, break down his door, arrest him, tell him he's... Um, resisting arrest and he's you know breaking like a noise ordinance and he's screaming at them like no you broke into my house this is your fault i'm not of course i'm resisting um he refuses to put clothes on and um even up to the police station until a person who's like already in the jail uh brings him a pair of like jail issued pants and he's like you're gonna want to wear these and he's like something told me i should listen to him so he puts the pants on um anywho so then a judge and a lawyer visit him and the judge is apologetic and like it should never have escalated to the to the level that, that it did the charges you have you should not have so they have a discussion and um 
it basically gets brought down to like a violation of a sound ordinance and um he pays like a small you know court fee um but because of this he's feeling guilty because he grew up where it's not okay to be in jail for any reason and by outlaw logic um you it's 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 not what you do that gets you in trouble it's when you get caught that you that you get in trouble so he He's do he's he's done an act that he's done multiple times and he even talks about how he'll continue to do it. But the problem is he got caught. So he calls his mom and kind of like needs some penance, like needs to like get her. okay, I guess. And she is like just appalled that the police broke into his house and can't believe that that that's okay and that you know you did nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with wanting to play your bongos at 2 30 in the morning naked you're just having fun you weren't hurting anybody so that's the like the okay he needed and he uh can face the world because at this point um paparazzi and the press have learned about what's happened and it's like all over the news and then um and then there's the Bongo Naked T-shirts and he, um, which is like to him, you know, kind of, kind of cool. However, because of this, um, now people know where he lives because the newspaper like published the front of the house that had the address and whatnot. So his whole neighborhood is like turned upside down and he has to leave because out of respect to his neighbors, he doesn't want to create a space where there's press and the kids can't, can't run and play. So anywho, we move on to January of 2000. Um, there's an actor strike looming. He's played in probably a handful of other movies um, like Contact and Amistad, Ed TV, but none of them um, have brought the box office money that um, people would assume would come after the after playing in A Time to Kill and kind of like becoming this huge actor. So he's lost so, some of his heat, as the industry calls it. And he's losing his hair, which, ugh, thank God he fixed that. But anyways... Um, <laughs> Some men I'm, I'm cracking up over here. <laughs> We're all muted, but I think we all agree on the hair front. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but although I did see the picture of him with like his shaved head and I was like, yeah. I'm okay with that. I like mean, you could go bad. that way too. Yeah. It's not bad. But like when you have like a really good head of hair, it's sad that you're, that you lose it. Like he's got good hair. Yeah. yeah. So it would be unfortunate for it to be gone. Right. But I does mean, he now, have good hair? Is that right? his hair? Oh, Jesse. Well, I mean, he talked about it. He uses later. like that minoxidil or whatever, yeah. right? So, like so regenics. He kind of, he kind yeah. Of, yeah, he kind of he kind of alluded to two years of that, and suddenly his hair is back. I don't. But buy maybe it. it's his butt hair. It could have been a hair transplant. Thank you. Yeah, that's it. they take that from your butt. Did you know that? No, they don't. They do. Okay, look it up. For men? Yeah, they take it from your butt and they put they put those follicles up here. Men are never short on butt hair. Ew. Oh. <laughs> this took a turn. Yeah, I, I don't mean to shame anyone that's done that. I'm just like, <laughs> I can't imagine like the process of like. But the coarseness is wrong. Yeah. This hair, yeah, I feel like Megan feel... has spent too much time analyzing. About I have. I've spent hair. a lot of time thinking about it because I was told by my husband that that's what happens, and so now it's been a while since he told but me. But your that. husband has I a lot of it. nice hair. Is that Rob's hair? Now I feel like I oh, don't it's know. his hair. He's got receding hairline. 
Oh, I have so many questions. <laughs> Me too. All right, let's keep going. Back okay. on the tracks. Okay, 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 okay. So um, in 2000, this is when he kind of jumps into that rom-com territory with the wedding planner with the Jennifer Lopez. Um, his life changes a lot when he starts into the, into this area um, because like he, as we've read, he kind of like really takes on the person that he's playing or that type of person. So um, <laughs> I like your your away screen. Her little avatar. Kayla that is friend. Jay. That all is those, Jay. Are those people living at home? Kayla turned off her camera. <laughs> and it's Jay as Superman. You need to figure oh. out who Jay is. Sorry, everyone. He's he does mornings <laughs> on Mix 94.5. I didn't I was <laughs> I'm sorry all of that happened. <laughs> Okay, go on. Okay. Everybody just sounded like robots for a while. Was that because of whatever happened on your computer? I don't know what's going on. My I sounded fine. Oh, okay. Everyone's back now. And then oh, I saw this Superman glimpse and a bunch of people laughing. I don't know what's going on. It's you, Jesse. Oh, okay. Trust <laughs> me. All right. Carry um, on. Yeah, so he says life at this point is like was all green lights for him. Um, it was easy like Sunday morning. It was great. He lived in the Chateau Marmont and he uh, he enjoyed women. He enjoyed cooking. He enjoyed life in general. Um, and it was just uh, super easy. So he was in, in, he embraced it. He loved it. I feel like he's really good at going with the ebbs and flows of life. And that's admirable, I think. I mean, it's it all works out for him. So he kind of ends this little part with, um, I don't know if this is a poem or what, but kiss the fire and walk away whistling. I swallow vitamins with a beer I do. Chew more tobacco than I ought to. I crawl around and chase the moon and sleep with women who ride in on brooms just so I can kiss the fire and walk away whistling. That's kind of cute. I like the visuals I get when I read it. Like, it's just cute. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. agree. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like that's his life at that point. He's just, he does what he wants and he enjoys it. Oh, I think that's fair. Yes, I support right. it. He's totally, he's totally enjoying the hell out of himself at that time. From the way he describes his life in the, what the hell is it called? The hotel? Chateau Marmont. Chateau Marmont. The way he describes his life there just sounds loose and happy. Yeah. And sunshine and pool mm-hmm. and yeah, probably sure. shirtless a lot. <laughs> Shocker. He likes to not wear clothes. Yeah. Yep. Probably shirtless <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Um, so I guess that brings to my section. Um, so he ends up getting offered a role for a Denton Van Zandt character in the film Reign of Fire. Have anybody seen this film? Anybody know what this is? It's not really my style. No, no, no idea. Literally had no clue. So, um, this character that he was going to play um, was a cigar gnarling apocalyptic badass dragon slayer uh, who ate the heart of every dragon he slayed and carried a dwarf around on his shoulder. And the reason I say that is because uh, apparently that was Matthew's favorite part, but then got it cut out. So he's mad that he didn't get to have the dwarf on his shoulder. Um, so he's getting ready to play uh, this cal- uh, this character and he's kind of doing some self-reflecting and questioning 
questioning. He had just spent the last kind of 18 months enjoying booze and women and gluttony um, and is kind of, I guess, uh, searching for maybe more or meaning or, uh, again, just questioning his own existence. Um, and then kind of starting to question uh, the existence of God. And he just kind of touches on uh, the reasoning behind it um, and then wanting to know, like, I need to own uh, what's in my hands uh, or I need to own that that it was my hands on the steering wheel. So he's like trying to, again, come up with this reason behind life and what he's put here to do, I guess. I don't know if anybody got anything else from that. It was just kind of a blip in that uh, section. No, um, I, I picked up the no same go ahead. Thing. No, I, yeah. I picked up the same thing, I and which I actually kind of thought was admirable because he's like – you know, he felt out of control and like he needed to figure out what the hell he was doing with his life. So I'm here for that. Yeah. Um, and so he, I mean, doesn't go on, at least in this, in my section, doesn't go on this like big quest to find himself, but just kind of ask some questions and then uh, says a prayer. Um, if you are there, God, uh, I hope you appreciate a man um, who won't retreat uh, from the sweat it takes to gain self-determination. And I hope you will reward a man who has decided to quit hiding behind uh, the fatal blind belief that it is all in your hands. So he just kind of goes with this mantra. Um, um, there's a bumper sticker that says just because it says anonymous doesn't mean it has no author. I thought that was actually a kind of cool one, too. Um, I don't know. I've never really thought about it. So what I thought was kind of cool that I just noticed about that is that right before it says just because it says anonymous, it says two agnostics. Yes. Um, but the two is a cross. Mm hmm. I thought that was kind of that was crafty. Matt McConaughey. <laughs> It it's was. Matthew. Matthew, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> sorry, Maddie. <laughs> Um, so apparently after having this, uh, kind of, I don't even know what to call it, uh, questioning of himself and God, he decides to shave his head because the vision of this character that he's going to play in his mind has a shaved head. Um, and also the fact that he was kind of maybe more or less looking for a fight, uh, looking for a fight with the Hollywood, um, I think producer of the movie at the time. So he just decided to go for it. He was losing his hair anyway so what was he gonna really be out um and he had been using this regenx product uh twice a day topically and I apparently not really getting great results or um he had to shave his head first to use it was that it i think he had to shave his head first to use Something it right like that, yeah yeah had to shave his head first to, because supposedly it would grow in thicker when it grew back in so maybe it is his real hair i apologize matthew mcconaughey i just don't really think given the visual you put in the book that what's on top of your head all came back with regenics i mean if we're and also if we're like going on past basing it on past things that he's written a lot of it seems bullshitty so yeah it's a legitimate thought that it, <laughs> it might not be his hair it's fine. 
sure. So he shaves his head and all of a sudden he gets a phone call because there was some pictures out that the paparazzi had taken and put in People magazine. And he gets a phone call from a top uh, studio executive, which he left nameless, um, who was part of Reign of Fire and gets basically accosted with these questions uh, in relationship to his newly shaven head. And did he actually do it? And I refuse to believe that you would do that. And um, Matthew just keeps saying, you know, yeah, I shaved my head. And uh, the guy hung up on him. So uh, Matthew's probably just thinking that uh, this is probably the end of this character. But um, it ends up being okay. He gets himself together. He got invited to a Hollywood industry party. He buys the best looking Gucci suit that matches his eyes. And he tans his bald head by the pool and shows up, uh, you know, being Matthew McConaughey. And people noticed. And the Hollywood exec who had uh, kind of hung up on him and then left him this note saying that, you know, he was going to have bad karma, kind of had to eat his words. And so he called it a green light. I just um, have to say about the head tanning. My thought <laughs> was like, if I shaved my head and then spent four consecutive days by the pool trying to tan it, I would have a fucking red head. Not, <laughs> a, not a nicely tanned head. No. And like, I tan nicely. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm like always that's I just need to tell you what I was thinking. When no, I, was I like I feel like that's like the best part of the podcast. <laughs> I love when we I was thinking about it today. I'm like, we do a lot of like synopsis of the book, but we don't like talk about it enough. I think like mm-hmm. we just I'm glad that people yeah, that we interject yeah. with little pieces. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. To, oh, he had kind of a come to with understanding Hollywood too in this section about that you really can't take anything personal um, that really like the joke is that uh, to get the joke that the joke is nothing's personal so whether it's on return phone calls or I love you's you might get picked up in a limo and taken home in a cab it's nothing personal it's just business Um, and I kind of wonder how that like I mean I think a lot of things in life sometimes can be just business and not personal, but we take them personal. I have something to say about this. Yes. So there, um, okay. I'm sorry to bring this up again. I have spent six hours in a car the last two days. So I watched some TikTok. And so, you know how every once in a while you stumble upon those TikToks that it's like, well, here's this really great thing that my therapist told me. Um, what was similar to that, except for this guy is like a Buddhist dude and I'm kind of into him. Not that way. Anyway, I'm into, the, I'm into the things that he says. And he was talking about how we all have these narratives in our brain that are formed by the experiences we go through, which gives us perspective, but how the story we create is not necessarily the story. Yeah. And so like, if someone doesn't call us back, we think like, well, we're not important to them, but just because that's our story doesn't mean that it's the story. No. And so I think we end up, I, sh- I say we, but I just mean generally taking a lot of things personally that really have nothing to do with us. Yeah. I've definitely changed some of my, I don't want to say habits, but like when I'm telling someone how I feel about a situation, I've started to preface with the story I'm telling myself is that this is going on. Like when I don't know, because then sometimes I realize that like 
yeah, I'm telling myself this story. That doesn't mean it's actually happening. Because I mean, you know, when you work with a ton of people, there's always opportunity for miscommunication or not enough communication or something being, you know, tone being perceived in an email or whatever it could be. So I just always have to like when I'm trying to digest or talk through something, I say the story I'm telling myself is that this is what's going on. So I like, I like that. I would, yeah. I would say this story I tell myself um, in my head is what causes the bulk of my anxiety. Oh, 100. Like, especially lately, like that is, I mean, that's great. It's that's great information because like, I find that the moment that I, it's so dumb, but the moment I speak it into the world and just tell somebody about these things that I'm thinking about, then like it just dissipates. It just goes away. And it really reminds me of a a kid's book that I read for Cora. And that was the same advice. You talk about it and the worry gets smaller. And I'm like, why can't I just, you know, anyway, but it's so true. Like we we build all these things up in our head and it's not that big making mountains out of molehills as my mother would say. (laughs) I struggle. Like what I worry about or where my anxiety goes, I worry about what if I share this fear with, with somebody and that was never something they worried about until I told them that my, that was my fear. And now it's their fear too. And so then I'm like, you have fears about giving other people, like you have anxiety about anxiety. That's that's a huge, you're taking a huge amount of responsibility for somebody else's, how they react. But like, what if nobody else worried about that until, until I voiced it. And then they're like, Holy shit, Lydia. Yeah. And then then I feel like you're doing them a favor. I feel like you're doing them a favor. Oh, they just, weren't like, worrying about it and they needed to. And be. now they need to. And now they know. Listen, uh, Lydia, all you're responsible for is you and those sweet ass glasses on your face. Those oh, are very cute on you. Thank you. So you don't worry about you, anything else. I love <laughs> the spin factor there. That was amazing. Well, I meant it. I was looking at those. Those are very cute. They are very cute. <laughs> you we digress a little bit a lot Um, way better hold on they're way better than this i don't know i need to put my i have to turn my camera off when i'm recording it away yet kayla we'll put it back kayla so jesse can see it okay hold on because i have to turn my camera off when i'm talking otherwise Otherwise, oh, sometimes gone. I get kicked off. Okay, I'm here still, guys. What is that? Is Superman? Why is Superman? That's Jay. Yeah, but that's Jay's Jay is Superman. Oh, his he has glasses on. No. What? No, it's Jay I... from the radio. He like. Oh, super you mean his face. like? At least you don't. Ha- okay, I was confused again. Sorry, I didn't. I get it yeah. now. I'm back. You got it. You got it. I okay. am gonna put that screenshot on the on our yeah people need Facebook to see it. Page, yeah, you so. have to people yeah. drop. Yeah. Um, okay, so the Hollywood exec that told him he wasn't going to have, uh, you know, the job and that he there was going to be bad karma associated with this head shaving turned it turned out to be wrong, ended up calling him that say or that following Monday after the party and saying, you know, I love it. This looks going to be awesome. You look original. You look handsome. And so that was a green light. So then Matthew starts getting ready for this role of this dragon slayer. Um, and he had two months to prepare and train and so he takes himself to his brother's ranch in west texas and decides to come up with this 
just asinine idea of how to prepare to be a dragon slayer. Um, and so again, I know I've kind of not been okay with some of these stories because I just don't know how believable they are. But anyway, he says that he made a plan that he was going to execute in mid July during hundred plus degree weather in Texas. And it had the following steps for first, he was going to take a double shot of tequila every morning at sunrise before he got out of bed. Don't know why that's related to dragon slaying, but apparently there's something out there that I don't know. He was going to run five miles across the desert daily barefoot, two and a half miles out and two and a half miles back. Um, he was going to keep his heart rate below 60 while standing on the edge of the barn's rooftop overlooking a 40 foot drop uh, onto concrete below. And then he was going to run out into the pasture every night and wrestle cows, tackle sleeping cows. That I was his workout. Know, I need to know how old he was because once when I was 18 years old, I thought I would start a cereal diet to lose some weight in college and I would only eat cereal. Was okay, it special so, K? So, no. It was Damn fucking it. live cereal with like <laughs> cinnamon. Okay. Like oh. it was not, this wasn't a good idea. I was so no experience. <laughs> and I just want to know if this is where his head was at. 18 year old, but like around there. I mean, he's a man. No, he had to be older than that, right? Yeah, so uh, we can assume that his brain matured slower. Okay. However, what the fuck? What the fuck? I also want to know, I just want, Kayla, do you feel like this is a full body workout? (laughs) In your professional opinion? Yeah, should we try it? I mean, I can't start with the tequila tequila shots tomorrow. I got to work, but. (laughs) Okay, well, running five miles is really good cardio. But barefoot? I mean, I don't know. Don't you guys remember those four four toed? Yeah, I do. Shoes that were were five toed because people. Oh yeah, five. five. (laughs) Four toed. I was like, (laughs) sorry. I don't know why I just said I do not. I have ten toes. Like I have no idea. Prove it. We just we just learned to think about. No, it is a whole nother world when you post your feet on the internet. Like you are getting. You might make. We might get some sponsors finally. Sponsors. The feet pics. Hey, no! you guys want, if you want to sponsor this podcast and get pictures of Kayla's feet, now's the time. Why mine? In our Facebook page. See, I feel like this is the stuff people tune in for. I'm glad this is all happening right now. Um, okay. Um, According my- to Google, he would have been about 31 years old. 31? Oh yeah. This is like, okay, doesn't he, oh, yeah, isn't yeah. he starring in a movie called Failure to Launch? Yeah. Like, He's in that. Yep. He's living that movie okay digression all sorts no okay um yeah let's just get it off let's stop talking about my feet (laughs) (laughs) you brought it back up i mean i know i know you don't have to be insecure about your feet (laughs) i do have five toes on each foot you only have five toes that's fine you have five toes okay (laughs) sure okay we believe you um so ah. I know you guys are going to be shocked for those of you that haven't read the book, but apparently this workout regimen did not work. We <laughs> failed him miserably. And so yes. he does say that there was some good takeaways because he was able to experience a lot of pain, such as any good dragon slayer would. But other than a bunch of oyster sized blisters on his feet, um, he was never able to really achieve more than that maybe some muscle mass i don't know he doesn't really he just says it was a failure so after his uh oh go ahead i was saying well well what are you gonna do 
I mean, it wasn't my, wouldn't be my way of dragon slaying, but I don't know that I would, I don't even know what I would do. Like, why was this even an idea? Personal trainer. I mean, that might be a a good start. I think Kayla should post a dragon slaying workout. (laughs) I am literally terrified to say anything right now. So... I I feel like you could slay dragons with five toes. So. You could probably do it with four toes. Four toes. <laughs> the, the littlest toe isn't even a toe. Yeah, it's there for balance purely. <laughs> um. So after his self-inflicted 60-day dragon slaying boot camp, he made his way over to Ireland to film the movie. He said that Van Zandt was a blast and inhibited a warrior uh, without a country and a uh let's see i can't remember where i am now dang it you're gonna have to edit that out he was basically really just excited to be van zan because he connected with the character so much probably because he was really freaking out there is what all i can really gather from it he kept the tomahawk from the movie and he said that it's still behind his desk um and then after wrapping four months of filming in the wet and cold irish winter he was physically and mentally exhausted and pleased to finally get some rest Um, which he was resting still in Ireland, um, I believe in Dublin. And he had one of his infamous dreams that we discussed previously. Um, Was it dry or was it wet? There was some moisture involved. (laughs) (laughs) There was some moisture in this dream and it featured some uh, characters that we have heard about before. So in his dream, he's on the Amazon River. He's wrapped in anacondas and pythons, and he's surrounded by crocodiles and piranhas and a few freshwater sharks. I mean, throw them in for good measure, right? And then there's African tribesmen that are lined up on uh, shoulder to shoulder on the ridge uh, to the left of him. And so he's he brought up this to the left a couple of times, too. So I don't know if the direction is significant later on again i didn't read to the end of the book yet so i'm not sure so he has this dream again and he just has this very very dire earning uh yearning inside of him to make sense of it and that he must be being called to do something or to go somewhere and he's bound to determine to figure out what that is because he's already been um to the amazon and so he decides that no the new place that he needs to go is africa um and he ends up pulling out a cd of an african artist um that sings african blues i can't can't remember his name now though um uh, was I it, pronounce uh, it wrong, but it's like ali or ali i thought it was yeah ali, farka. Right? yeah oh farka is his last name farka. okay i don't know how you um, pronounce the name because it's got a little thing at the end above the e and so i don't know how I'm to pronounce to oh so he decides to figure out where Ollie uh, lives and resides and he finds the village um eh, up the uh, now I can't remember where he was. Hold on, I'm trying to find it. In Africa. Um, in Mali? Was it Mali? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so he decides to go find him um, and chase down the other half of this dream, apparently. Um, so he got a, a one-way ticket to the capital city of Mali and hitchhiked nine hours. How do you just get, okay, I, again, I don't understand his stories. Like, I, I understand why? them. 
I don't know why. I don't understand the why. And I don't understand. Mm, I don't believe them. That's the problem. And like, Again, I'm sorry, I mean, Matthew was, McConaughey. He had some paychecks by then. He didn't need to hitchhack. But maybe that's the only way to get around. I don't know. Yeah. So I once think- he. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, it's fine. Go ahead. No, no, no. I um, was just going to. So he hitchhikes this nine hours from the port city and he meets his guide, Isa, um, who had a boat and he introduced himself as David. Why, nobody. Do you really think anyone's going to recognize you, Matthew McConaughey? Like, why do we have to be anonymous? <laughs> what was the point? I don't just know. So case. anyway, yeah, David is taking him to the village where Ollie lives and they set sail up river. Um, and it took him four days again, a nine hour hitchhike, a four day trip up a river, all in the chase of whatever is supposed to be, uh, the other half of this wet dream that he had. What is this man doing? Like, is he on drugs? I mean, maybe probably, (laughs) probably. Um, so he gets to the village. That's true. He gets to the village where Ollie is and he meets Ollie and his wife and they have lunch. He sings him songs. They have, you know, just this blissful time together. Um, And uh, I'm trying to see you. He's just kind of looking for the answer of, again, why why he, he was sent there. He has this really strong belief that he's there for a reason um and during their meeting um ali talks about uh this quote that he puts in the middle um because there i would be dry or he asked him why he never came to america or traveled with his music and ali said um if he would have came to america um he would have been dried shit neither me nor my scent would stick to you and here i am wet shit both me and my scent stink uh stink stick to you how lovely um, i know but it is it makes sense yeah it does like here i am wet shit i stick to people i stick to you people know me um, very graphic I, yeah I guess I don't know again this story like it's hard for me to really like you can tell like I'm just like okay whatever Matthew McConaughey you went on an African adventure of some kind but then have this crazy story to tell about it um and so he let's see here he leaves the village and then I'm trying to think of now I don't even remember where he went afterwards I he goes don't what it's the uh the bendiagara escarpment i put it in the i only know that because i actually oh. typed it up <laughs> i only know this because i type but what did he go there for because that's the guy that was his guide was like i really think you need to see this i just think it would be a real something you will never forget you need to come see these people it's like tribes that live by the river and yeah, then, but he thinks they're like magical. Oh yeah, they, that's right. They oh, have extraterrestrial transmission of knowledge of the cosmological facts of the stars. Yep. Yes, he thinks that they can like I don't are they gonna read his horoscope? Like I don't I literally maybe didn't they understand reached, this. Part. Maybe they reached out to him via his dream and that's why he's there. Oh <laughs> I, I literally I know, I know. I, the, the whole time I was reading this, I'm like, what is even happening right now? Like, is, what, what is going on? So 
So he ends up taking, uh, going with his guide to the town to see these people, right? And then isn't that where my part ends? Or do I still have more to talk about? Yeah, well, that's pretty much where it sort ends. Sort of in the middle. Yeah, Kayla, Kayla can pick it up from there. So um, he goes to this small town. And that's where if shit wasn't weird enough, shit's going to get even weirder. Because this village is called Dogon. And it's made of a small cluster of mud huts. So um, he explains that they're all kind of spaced apart along the river's edge. And then when he arrives, the chief will greet you um, at the border. And if he likes you, he welcomes you in. If not, then um, you just keep walking. But Matthew said that he was always welcomed in. Um, He had just finished rain of fire he had a shaved head a big beard he said he was in good physical shape upon coming to molly uh he told isa and anyone who asked him that he was a writer and a boxer by profession this is all very outlandish so (laughs) he said nobody recognized him there uh they were not interested at all in him being a writer but they were very interested in him being a boxer so in this village they called him uh Oh my gosh, I just listened to the audio. Dauda, I believe is how it was something similar to that, which just meant David. Um, So basically, you know, I mean, what do you think would happen? Obviously, someone's going to challenge him to a wrestling match Mm. because that is exactly how all of this would go. So. Um, Dowda starts stretching on the ground. He's measuring the situation. This is Matthew, by the way. Uh, When suddenly two men (laughs) uh, come up to him and um, basically they like made signals at each other and said, we're going to fight. And his name is Michelle. He is a champion wrestler of the village. And he said that his heart started racing and the crowd all like started cheering him on and roared. And he said that's when he heard his own voice whisper in his ear, take the challenge or you will forever regret not knowing. Leave your scent. So Matthew ended up getting to his feet. He was standing eye to eye with Michelle. Um, He raised his right arm and pointed at his chest Anyway, then shit was about to go down. So there's a little bumper sticker here. Some people look for an excuse to do. Others look for an excuse not to. So basically, like, no excuses. He's always loved wrestling. He's going to fight this dude. So they go face to face. And then... Okay, so then hands were put on places, and then other hands were put on other places, <laughs> and then foreheads were put very, in, in very soft ritualistic. spots. Very, very ritualistic. Very ritualistic. <laughs> like hands were going places, and so were foreheads. And I don't know. It was intense and possibly an intimate wrestling match. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, so then eventually. Round one started, so they were head-to-head. They ended up spinning in a few circles. Um, Michelle lifted Matthew up into him, whatever that means. Um, (laughs) Matthew's chest was in his face, and then Matthew got body slammed, and it knocked the wind out of him, one for him, he said. Um, The crowd was, like, super into it, so then Matthew swiveled, and he was trying to get away from his grip, so he whipped his hips. What is happening? Swung his right leg over his head and back under his chin, and then slammed his head backwards into the dirt. Um, For three or four minutes, they circled and flipped and smashed each other, 
brother, uh, Michael, or not Michael. Uh, what's his name again? Matthew. He's Michelle dripping with sweat. He's hyperventilating. Uh, I think Michelle's doing fine. I don't think Michelle's having <laughs> any issues with any of this. He's hanging in pretty tight. Matthew's bleeding. Michelle's yeah. fine. Michelle's fine. So then back home in Texas, this is round two. So we're on to round two. He said he was always known for his strong legs and ass. Okay. Oh. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah. But here in the dirt pit in Africa, opposite of Michelle, he said he was reminded that he was no longer in, t- in Texas. So it was more aggressive right out of the gate. Michelle immediately came on the attack, slipped his first takedown and dove him into the ground face first. So oopsie doopsies. Then uh, he mounted him from behind. What are we talking about? Is, am I in the right book? <laughs> so anyway, um, he put him in the Boston Crab, which was apparently one of his favorite WWF childhood moves. Um, wow. Anyway, this it says it was a stalemate. Michelle won. Like, let's just be real about that. Uh, the chief ended up stepping in and called it. We slowly got to our feet. The chief escorted them to the middle of the big dirt pit where he, they raised both of their hands to the sky in victory. Of course, the crowd was super excited. Um, I guess both of them were sweaty and spent, but only one was a bloody mess, and that was not Michelle. So... um that I think when does he talk about how like it's not about who won it was about him taking the chance to do it yeah after. and yeah and so that's essentially what made him a winner so not the fact that he won or lost and was a bloody mess it just was the fact that he had the guts to you know jump yeah, on in it. there mm-hmm. um so then that night he was alone on a straw mattress kind of surprised michelle wasn't with him at that point judging on how mm-hmm. the wrestling match went <laughs> but he said he laid on the roof of a mud hut in the dogon village um and he was staring into the heavens he counted 29 shooting stars he said he was dreaming with his eyes opened. I watched as the constellation of the Southern Cross revealed itself to me for the first time, like a radiance of the luminescent cluster of butterflies I'd come upon in the Peruvian trail of Amazon. He said he was in the middle of another truth. It was divine intervention, an extraterrestrial transmission of cosmological facts. Um, anyway... And then he, he spit he, a loogie in his face. Yeah, but he chased down his wet dream. And then he spit a loogie in his face because he forgot that he had a mosquito net on. So that's cute. <laughs> yeah. Oofta. That was a whole Oofta. interesting. It was a whole interesting thing. Yeah, I have lot. to. Uh, I realized what, as Jesse started talking that last week when I talked about his first trip because of a wet dream i was mixing these stories up in my brain and thinking that this one happened first in the book so Mm -hmm. if people were confused last week i'm sorry my bad oh well my bad yeah hey a wet dream is a wet dream um i have to go back to a little part that we kind of skipped over but i thought was important um when he was first traveling with oh when he was yeah, with well, he's with Ali, and then it looks like Amadou. I don't know oh. who that is. I don't remember which part this was. It was like on their way to the Bandiagara. Bandiagara, I don't know. Um, so he has, let's see. Yeah, Issa, and then, oh, and then oh, Issa when has they met two the friends. Prostitute? Yeah, and then they started talking about it, and they were yeah. like, 
seemingly disagreeing and then like matthew jumps in and is like you're right this person like she should she has so much more to do with his life and then that guy flips out on him and the one that he like is like on his side and he's like hey it's not about right or wrong it's about you know do you understand um and he was yes. like Ooh, i'm sorry and the guy was like don't be don't be sorry be different um and I highlighted this part because um, he's like, he just recited to me a version of what I'd said to myself in Australia when I pre- refused to call the Dooley's mom and pop a double whammy of African proverbs. They're not trying to win arguments of right or wrong. They're just trying to understand each other. And I, we skipped right over that, but I yes. thought that was so important. And I was like, well, yeah, I gotta go back. No, I'm I glad remember you did. reading that. Yes. I, I remember reading that and thinking, oh, that's something that like we can like pick a lesson out. Like that's a clear one. I have like the worst migraine ever and I'm just like suffering through it. Oh. So I was just trying to like, I just got to get this done. Oh my uh, God. I mean, I, and you know how it is. So I'm just like, I can't keep it all in my mind. My baby hurts. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's so, a lot so. anyway. It's like, yeah. and that's, we're obviously not as well versed. I mean, at least I'm not um, in like all these African words and the different African names. Like I obviously love- it's not going to stick in my head the way like Bob would. Bob. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, I know I have all these John stories. Smith. I got to remember every story. And I'm like, I can't think my head hurts. Okay. Well, I can remember no John Smith. I have more trouble with these other names yeah but teamwork makes a dream work hey yeah. we got through all, it we can we can all pitch it and help each other yes. yes kayla you do you want that last um little bumper sticker uh the unbelievable. under unbelievable the justice it deserves no where are you oh oh all prodigals one's pharisee nope all pharisees once prodigal nope i didn't even know what that meant to be honest i thought you said prada like the designer i was like you talked about prada someone had to explain to me the difference between (laughs) i think i know the red shoes yes That was me what? and you. So, Will you tell me it again? Because I Louis, forgot. No. Oh, yeah. No. Louis Vuitton. And Louis oh, Vuitton. Oh, and Louis uh, Vuitton. Ones, yes. But it's not. Know. It's Louboutin. It's, right? It's oh, not yes. Louis Vuitton. It's Louis yes. Vuitton. I can confirm I didn't remember anything you told me. I did this. If you asked me about it right now, no idea. Like, I, I still don't, don't Louis, know the difference. Louboutins are the shoes, right? Yeah, the red bottoms. And then Louis yeah. Vuitton makes like purses purses yeah okay. ask me that in a L- week ask me that in a week <laughs> <laughs> um if you're talking about unbelievable no i would not like to talk about that because i didn't really no, read it not the long one it was a short one it's at the end of your thing but i can just i'm just gonna go i'm just gonna take oh it. the justice it deserves yeah do you want that i would, I would love if you okay. read that oh no i'm no i'm just gonna skip past it oh skip past it um but if, if you would no, I want you to read this part. This whole no, set your you can, book down. Yeah, that's you can, handwriting. You can fuck yeah, right off. I was off. like, he I was like, I can fuck right off. <laughs> I'm like, what does this even mean? God, yeah. God, this isn't my section. I have no idea no, what this is. Literally, I did not touch that one. I was like, okay, mm, that looks like a journal entry. I'm gonna hard pass. There. Yeah, I, yeah. No, thank you. Okay, I'll read you thingy. The justice it deserves. To appreciate a place fully, a man must know that he can live there. When all his comfort comforts dis- uh, sorry, when all his discomforts disappear and he lets himself be owned by the place, he needs to customize and localize himself to the place he visits, to the degree the degree that he knows he could dwell there forever. 
Then and only then is it truly acceptable for him to leave. Wherever you are, give the place the justice it deserves. I could give you snaps for that. Yeah, that's a good one. Truly. Yeah. You know, that's like be respectful. Yep. Wherever you go, don't be a dick. Cad Megan, I'm so <sighs> glad I let you read that. You just are, you killed it. Thank you. I stumbled over my words, but you're welcome. Um, <laughs> I'm not just, we're just going. We're going to fucking finish. We're going to do the end of this part. Let's do it. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so he finishes his African adventure. Wrestling is done. He's moved back to Los Angeles. Um, he, again, he's a changed man. He's feeling more clear and practical than he ever had. Um, and he finds another way to mention his wet dream. Um, so he's back into like the real world and his brother's like hey let's do some uh some crazy shit let's go um golfing at palm springs uh, in palm springs at the la quinta resort and he's like i'll pay so evidently his brother's been doing fine on the gambling um and he is he's got somebody that he's bought what do they call a toot service is that how we say it toot T-O-U-T, toot service. Anyway, that's somebody bidding for him. Or like Jesse, I feel like this is something you would know. I mean, I love gambling. Yeah. (laughs) Is it a a toot service? I've actually never heard it referenced as that. Come on, Louboutin. I I recreationally, I don't have a problem, guys. I just, sports (laughs) betting is... I can quit whenever I want. Yeah, I can quit whenever I want. shouldn't be making light of gambling addiction. Oh my gosh, I I know. That's not nice. I should send Liam over to your house, Jesse, because he's always trying to pressure Tony into downloading sports betting apps. And he is a statistics. Yeah, he's a statistics freak. He could. Yeah. Oh, Liam loves statistics. He like studies statistics with like sports and stuff. That boy could make you money. No, I know. I know. I know he's seven, but I'm not fully against it. (laughs) Have you ever seen the movie 21? No. You've never seen that movie? I just Where the teacher teaches all of their he's a math teacher and he teaches his kids how to count cards and then they hide money in the ceiling isn't that a true story yes but i just listened to um i just listened to this american life based on that and evidently they do not like that movie because it's really poorly done for them but it's based on an mit group um, they were like a, a running group that went for years and years and they made loads of money counting cards. And evidently it's not like you think it would be. It's like in your head, you have to keep this count of like plus one, minus one, um, based on like what comes out. And if you're the higher, your number gets is when you start, when you start bidding a lot of money because your chances of getting, of making the dealer break or like bust are really yeah. good. Wow, this is mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. You lost me at plus one, minus one. I was like, <laughs> shit, I'm out. Well, okay. me and Liam can hang out and mess with my DraftKings account. I'll give him a few bucks to play with. We'll see what happens. Yeah, no, no you'd be betting on the right kid. Do we think this is <laughs> a safe thing to start at such a young age? <laughs> I don't, think nah, I don't know. We're not worried about that right now. Jesse's a teacher. I trust her. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fine. (laughs) She's not dating one of her students, so I guess we're good here. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I just, I'm a fan of sports betting. I like a good casino. I love to play blackjack. I uh, I like a good casino. I like a good good casino. (laughs) You're selling it. 
I'll definitely be the little lady that hangs out with her friends and plays penny slots. Like I'm in, I'm into it. So back Sorry. to Pat's gambling. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, Pat's got someone gambling for him who um, is doing a real good job. Um, okay. So somebody's managing Pat's money. So Pat's like, you, Matthew McConaughey, you movie star. I'm going to take you, brother, to um, some golfing and I'm going to pay for it. Um, and so they get there and they're like, they're in all their Texas garb. Like they're just rolling up just in this, it sounds like a piece of shit truck. And like Matthew McConaughey comes out in probably no shirt and some flip flops. And the guys like the bellman and the manager, hotel manager meet him at the door and we're like, Hey, what's up? <laughs> Welcome. And then, like, there's this dog barking in the back. Well, that's Pat's dog. Pat brought his dog. Um, and the manager's like, um, were you going to, were you planning on having the dog stay with you? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, oh, well, we don't allow dogs at the resort. And Matthew McConaughey, without missing a step, is like, oh, what's my brother seeing eye dog? As his brother's getting out of the driver's seat. Mm. Somebody, hotel manager fucking just like so fast to be like not an asshole was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And then like they go through this whole like terrible acting where Pat's like trying to act blind and in the process like acts like a savant and then like like he's autistic and then like he's deaf but also blind so like he goes through the gamut of disabilities just not cool gonna throw that out there um and they just go along with it um and but the dog like evidently the dog was the one who almost blew the cover because the dog is like not acting like a seeing eye dog as they call it um dogs just you know being a dog not helping the person in any way, Pat. And so they get there into their room and they're like, we made it. Got the dog in. Um, and then the next morning they're like, 809, tea time, let's go. Uh, don't bring the dog. And and Pat's <laughs> driving the golf cart, Pat, who's supposed to be blind. And then a security guard and the manager come up and they're like, hey, what about the dog? Um, and they're like, Pat looked at him like it was a rhetorical question. He's like, yeah. And they're like, I thought you said he was your seeing eye dog. And Pat goes, oh, yeah, I only have night blindness. That's <laughs> so smart to say that. I just, mm, I was like, I read this and I'm like, Amanda, I'm sitting next to my sister-in-law. You have to hear this. And I just like tell her, <laughs> like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Anyway, they fucking got away with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So no point to that story. Um, so on we go. So he decides after his time in Mali, he is a different person. He is no longer the Harley leather playboy. He is now a man of the earth. And so he's going to live like it. He's going to live on the beach and he's going to run on the beach. He's going to throw Frisbees. He's going to surf. That's what he's going to do. And then he pretty much just lives that life, becomes a rom-com king. He films how to lose a guy in 10, 10 days, tiptoes, Sahara, two for the money, failure to launch his life story. And we are Marshall. Um, so 
he's totally fine with it though. Like he's embraced this role completely. Um, he says he took the baton from Hugh Grant and ran with it. And like, I don't, as a rom-com fan facts, Hugh Grant is like, he's one of my, one of my crushes, I would say. Um, and yeah, definitely Matthew McConaughey took that up. Hugh Grant's a cutie. Plus like, but he's also like, but he's different. I know he's, he's like quirky. Mm-hmm. No, and he's like that cute little dorky, Like, yeah, I like it. I think he's cute. I loved him in Love Actually. That is my all-time favorite movie. That's a great movie. Uh, nine no. months? No, Love Actually. What did you hear? I know, but no, nine months. That movie. Oh. How could you leave that off? I mean, I don't remember that one, so what? I have to jog my memory. Sorry. Nine months where he, like, gets the, is it the waitress that he, like, sleeps with and gets knocked up, and then they are all of a sudden, like, together in this forced relationship, and... It is. Oh my God! I'm gonna you have don't... to. I'm gonna have to do a little reminder. I'll. I'll do a reminder. I promise. Oh God, I'm sure I will movie. remember. It. I'm positive. Hugh Grant. I've, I've watched like yeah. all of his movies, but Love Actually is. I come back to it every year. Every okay. Year. Sorry, I was thirsty. Okay. So he's into big rom coms. Matthew McConaughey is. Um, I highlighted this part um, in the tabloids, the industry, and in the public opinion. I became the shirtless on the beach rom com guy. It became a great thing. I was also in great shape. <laughs> and then I'm just going to, I'm not going to read this whole thing. He has this little, the workout scale from waking up to a triathlete. So he's got this like running scale of, you know, how you're going to work out. Um, and there's a lot. I, I can just throw on some little fun, fun ones. So like no fries with that. Um like no mayo please this can be a tough duty i'll have the big mac and a large coke but cut the fries i'm on a diet um what else (laughs) um babysit the kids you never sit down you're always corralling especially if you have two or more facts um and then he he kind of summarizes it with like this is my jam i woke up took a deuce get a tan doing yoga at the beach runner who drank a lot of water and danced all night so that was his workout plan um, but he wasn't—he wasn't bothered uh, by being this rom-com king. Rom-com king. He was not bothered by it. Like everyone kind of was like, "Oh, this is—you know—he can't do any real acting." La la la. Well, it didn't bother him. But then he started to think, like, hmm, "I'm not really being challenged by my job anymore." Um, and he said, "Still, um, I felt like I was posturing instead of behaving, playing a part instead of being more of myself." What started off 15 summers before as a highly personal creative expression was nourishing my spirit less and less. So he's trying to decide like, what the hell am I doing here? Is this like a life change? Um, He was, he felt like he was getting more inner growth from traveling than from his career. Um, So he's just, I feel like we kind of end this where he's just like at an impasse. Um, He's trying to decide like, you know, what am I going to do? And as the, as the part of this book implies, turn the page, it's called turn the page. Um, he is just kind of deciding like, am I going to turn the page? Like, what am I going to do differently? Um, so I just, I know this one's kind of long, but I'm going to read it because I liked this one, the turn the page bumper sticker. Um, the late and great university of Texas football coach, Daryl Royal was a friend of mine and a good friend to many. A lot of people looked up to him. He was a musician who, 
or sorry, one was a musician whom I'll call Larry. Larry was in the prime of his country music career, had number one hits, and his life was rolling. He had picked up a habit snorting the white stuff somewhere along the line. And at one particular party after a bathroom break, Larry strode up to his mentor, Daryl, and started telling Coach a story. Coach listened as always, and when Larry finished his story and was about to walk away, Coach Royal put a gentle hand on his shoulder and discreetly said, Larry, you got something on your nose there, bud. Larry immediately hurried to the bathroom mirror where he saw some white powder he hadn't cleaned off. He was ashamed, embarrassed, partly because he felt so disrespectful to Coach Royal, but mainly because he'd obviously gotten too comfortable with the drug to even hide it as well as he should. Well, the next day, Larry went to Coach's house and rang the doorbell. Coach answered and Larry said, Coach, I need to talk to you. Daryl welcomed him in. Larry confessed. He purged his sins to Coach. He told him how embarrassed he was and how he'd lost his way in the midst of all the fame and fortune. Toward the end of an hour, Larry, now in tears, asked Coach, what do you think I should do? Now, Coach, being a man of few words, said simply, Larry, I have never had any trouble turning the page in the book of my life. Larry got sober that day and has been for the past 46 years. Uh, so that's, I'm just going to stop there. I love that part. Uh, like, <sighs> Yeah, your past can be shit. The beginning of your book can suck. Or maybe you had a little bit in the middle. But, like, turn the page. It's time to take a step in the right direction. Um, and I was here for that. So I kind of feel like he left it there. And I kind of feel like he's leaving it as, like, he's going to try and take this step in a different direction. Or he's going to turn the page of his life. And I didn't read ahead, so I have no idea what's going to happen next. Yeah, but I really like the part after that <clears throat> where it says great leaders are not always in front. They also know how to follow. Like I, that's I really like that part a lot. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, lots of noise. Anyway, I I liked um, I like the ending of this part because I feel like, um, and I mean, I feel like I like the parts where he's just really trying to like figure out who's in charge of his life and what's he doing with his life. So I'm here for that. I do like that. I, yeah. I like that part, too. And especially, I think, because with me personally, I've been personal training for seven years, and I love it. And there's a lot of things I really love about it still, but I don't feel like it f fulfills me in the same way like some of this new stuff that I'm getting into does. And it's not that I don't enjoy personal training. I do, but I'm finding a lot of other value and like personal growth and other things. And I, that's like, you want to keep pushing or I want to keep pushing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I think that's an important aspect of just, I don't know if it's getting older or getting wiser or figuring out what you want out of life but like that's just a cool i don't know i think a lot of people probably go through that but i also think a lot of people we've talked about this in untamed get into that rut and then you think mm -hmm. you can't get out of it uh -huh. yeah you know i've um i had an interaction with somebody last week um and i first one just want to say i miss interacting with people i have not like over the last two years you just kind of you know, you get into that like mask zone where you're just like not interacting with people because you want to get in and get out. Um, but now I don't know. I've started to feel a little more comfortable because whenever I'm vaccinated and I give up, I give up. Um, so maybe I gave up. Anyway, I'm having social interactions again. And I was waiting at a or I was having a quick espresso at a coffee shop when I was delivering wines the other day. And um, this 
guy sat down across from me and was like, hey, is this okay that I sit here? And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to finish this drink and then you can have a whole table. Um, and he was like, cool. Um, and then commented on my the shawl I was wearing, the scarf I was wearing, and was like, did you make that? And I was like, no, I did not make that. No, um, it's crochet. Like, I can't get into another hobby. And he's like, hey, the Renaissance person is making a comeback. I think you totally could. And I was like, haha, funny. But like, also, it is making a comeback. Like, people, I feel like that's the rambling millennial. What a cliffhanger. This thing. Okay. This thing, this thing. Oh, I was like, oh, she's back. She's back. Oh, okay. my gosh. Gross. Oh, sorry. What oh. happened? Where did I pause at? The rambling um, millennial. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So I feel like that's the rambling millennial. That's the thing. Uh, like you, you want, you do your one main thing, but you also like this and you like that and you like this little hobby and I'm going to do this too. And like, you just make it work because all of those things fill your cup. And I think that's okay. Like, I think it's, I think it's okay to turn the page um, and find something new. And I think it's, it's all right to ha have a hundred different things that you like to do, but so long as you've got personal growth or you've got satisfaction, like don't put yourself in that spot where you've pigeonholed yourself into something that you fucking hate. Like, find something you love. And even, you know, even if your day job is like, mm, it's great, I like it, it's good enough, but you have these other things on the side that really bring you joy, like, do it. Be the renaissance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sounds yeah, like yeah. you were getting hit on, though, at the coffee shop. Yeah, it did kind of sound like <sighs> you were that. Um, no, I'm... that scarf, Megan? I don't... <laughs> That scarf no, looks great. No, I didn't. Um, but I did want to. Were I, you wearing sandals? He was giving off what? Not were you hetero, wearing not hetero vibes. Louboutins? No, I was. I was, was that right, Jesse? Dressed Jessie, like was a that right? Yes, Louboutins okay. is right. I wasn't wearing. I don't wear fucking heels, so no. Sorry, I was just looking for a chance to say Louboutin. I mean, good job. Taylor just wants to bring it back to feet. Well, yeah, I, I, that's what I said. <laughs> oh, did you? Sorry. All eight toes. <laughs> I just want you guys to enjoy this right now. I support. I love that hair. It's fabulous. I need to go back and say I support. I don't care what your um, sexual preference is, but I will say that his sexual preference was not giving off um, I want to date you vibes. It was oh. definitely giving off. I love that scarf. Where can I have it? Can I have it? Can I oh, put it on my body? I, I need Could that. I borrow it? Oh, so he wanted the scarf on his body and not you on his body. Yes. 